Welcome to Reset. 40 is the new happy. Reset is a podcast that introduces you to a wide range of people who decided that a career change was in order in midlife, despite its challenges and financial uncertainties. Most, like Ed Bruder, find a way to weave lessons learned from past jobs into an even more fulfilling way to earn a living with purpose and satisfaction. Now, Ed spent 37 years in varying on-air positions until leaving to do other things, like teaching class to young broadcasters at the college level and even more recently, taking the reins as executive director of the New Hampshire Association of Broadcasters. But of course, Ed, it all began with a young Connecticut man going door-to-door, Looking for candy. It sounds suspicious, but it's the truth, right? Never, never found candy either. No, she, yes, that's true. I had a job. Uh, my first job in radio was um, to go around the, the listening area for this particular Connecticut station and knock on doors looking for any M&M Mars candy product. It was a promotion paid for by the M&M Mars company. So Snickers, uh, Musketeers, Milky Ways, etc. And anybody who had those candies in the house won a check for 100 bucks on the spot. And I had a hidden tape recorder with me, and I would get them going, oh, my God, I'm a winner. And we'd go back and put those promos on the air. So that was my exposure to radio. Can you imagine, though, what, 40 years later, doing that, going to somebody's house and looking for candy? I mean, you'd be on a registry somewhere. <laughs> well, you know, I think of some of the neighborhoods that I went through then, and, yeah. you know, being young and naive, you try anything. But um, there's an insurance danger. I'm sure they would have had to have a higher rider if they tried that promotion today. True. <laughs> So how did you find your way from the nutmeg state to the granite state, where you've been a familiar voice for over 40 years? Um, Via a stop in Vermont. I was looking for on-air work. I wanted to get into radio and be a disc jockey and get on the air. And uh, I kept widening the circle around the Hartford area, which is where I was from, until a station in St. Johnsbury, Vermont, took a crack at me. And I spent uh, about 10 months there and then came to Keene, New Hampshire, and spent a little over a year there and came to Manchester and have been there ever since. All right, so uh, receiving a local accolade is great, and you've received many over the years, but you were given a prestigious national award in 1976 while at WGIR. It's the George Foster Peabody Award. I don't really know, though, what was involved or what the report was about. It was a year-end show, a New Year's Eve show, a five-hour program called Flashback 1975, and it was a, a recap of the stuff that had happened, including the music that had been hit songs, the news events of the year, sort of the unusual that had happened. And I packaged it all up into a five-hour special because I was the night guy at that point. So that was my normal shift, 7 to midnight. And uh, we submitted it. And much to my surprise, uh, I was having lunch with Bill Moyers and Edwin Newman, who were also (laughs) winners that year. Very, very cool. Radio people know that you uh, have a, a niche broadcast business that the public wouldn't even know existed. It's actually named after, as we go back to the fact that you are a uh, searcher of candy. And, and so tell, tell people, because they've probably never heard of what it is that you do as an archivist. Yeah, I, my company was called Man From Mars Productions, named after the, the candy experience. When I needed to, to start a business, I wanted to call it something, so I picked that. Um, basically, I've been collecting radio broadcasts uh, since I was a teenager, and I have more than 5,200 of them now in various forms of tape recording and, and records and so forth. And um, I'm kind of, I've got a bit of a reputation of being an archivist around the country. I, uh, in fact, recently the National Geographic Channel did a special in January on the 30th anniversary of the Challenger disaster. Mm. And I provided a lot of the audio that went into that show as to what happened on Concord, New Hampshire radio stations when Krista McAuliffe died during that. I find it interesting, as I recall, that when, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the late uh, Dave Maynard uh, passed away, that WBZ came to you for information when you would think they'd have everything they need right in-house, but they came to uh, to you. 
Well, it wasn't just Dave. I, I, I almost hate to say this, but I've regularly, if one of the BZ alumni pass away, they contact me and say, do you have Carl D'Souza? Um, mm. they, they've had all of them, uh, Jay Dunn, um, Bruce Bradley when he passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, so I, I regularly provide sound to Boston stations as they need stuff for special occasions. All right, so you're in your 60s, and after 37 years, well, at the time in your 50s, but after 37 years, you decided it was time to move on. I'm kind of wondering, because I faced the same thing, what the voice in your head was saying as you wrestled with the thought that you would not have a daily microphone to speak into. You know, that part I didn't miss at all because I was still doing recording of commercials and stuff, and I still had contacts in the broadcast business. And and working with the old radio shows, I was still in the radio business. So I I didn't think about missing the day-to-day microphone. I did miss the day-to-day hijinks, as you know, because we worked (laughs) together for a number of years. Um, the stuff that you that you that goes on in the studio off the air, I did miss that part. But um, you know, I had reinvented myself a couple of times during my career, so that 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 part didn't bother me so much. It was just time to try something else. I wish that I had thought to become an archivist of all the things that people never heard that I could have recorded that you never would have known. <laughs> well, yes, but remember, I have lots of photographs of you, so. <laughs> So so this is all about reinvention, and you've been one that's done that, as you just mentioned many times. What about teaching broadcast and new media classes at the college level? Did that satisfy you to some degree? That, was, that has been very rewarding to me. Um, I had actually taught at New England College in Henniker for a total of three years back in the early 1980s, and I enjoyed that a lot, and various job changes and stuff made it time to, to move on from that. But... Um, that also helped me to decide to go back and get my own college degree because I had dropped out of college as a freshman way back in the 1870s. <laughs> and um, so I went back, and in a three-year period, I, I finished my, my undergraduate and got a master's degree. And um, that kind of opened up the possibilities as to where things were going. So I've been teaching um, digital media and communications courses for seven years now. And I'm at two different colleges and teach an occasional course at the Naki Loeb School of Communications. And I really enjoy doing that a lot. Are the kids as excited about getting into broadcasting as I know we were in the early 70s, or is it a whole different vibe now? It is a whole different vibe. Um, I I try to discourage people from wanting to go into a particular form of media until they understand what the full menu looks like. Mm. Um, Because it isn't the same business that you and I went into. You know, computers, digitization has changed all of that. I think what what I find is that uh, college students more than ever need more writing skills. So we we work writing projects into everything at the college level now because they just they haven't got those basic skills. And they're not even getting the skills of cursive in grade school anymore. Well, that's true. A lot of them I've, I've read about school systems yeah. that they don't teach handwriting anymore. But um, anybody that comes in with familiarity with keyboards, with web design, with um, technology, with a variety of different pieces of software, that's what you really need to bring to the table in the 2000s to get employment. So just and to be flexible, too. Right. Just as John Clayton, a good friend of ours, his new job is executive director of the Manchester Historic Association, uh, I think the same could be said for you as the new executive director of the New Hampshire Association of Broadcasters. I mean, all the skill sets are there. Are you enjoying it so far? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I've been in the business, so I know the content and I know most of the players. 
Um, it's a little different because what I'm doing now is really trade association management, which I have never done before. It's not really being on the air, but it's managing a business organization. I'm looking out for the lobbying efforts. Uh, I just came back from a trip to Washington, D.C., meeting with our congressional delegation one at a time to explain what the issues are in front of broadcasters right now and what kind of legislation we'd like them to be on the lookout for or against. Um, that's something that I've never done before, the advocacy part of it. Hard to believe that what started out is going door-to-door looking for Snickers. <laughs> You're speaking in Washington, D.C., so you never know where the the, uh, the path is going to take you. Yeah, that, that's very true. And um, I remember last May, or maybe it was two years ago, May, um, I was doing the public television auction in Durham, uh, guest uh, auctioneers I've done for many, many years. And they said, oh, can you make room? Because Senator Ayotte has just arrived, and she, or we need to slot her in right away. So I introduced her, and on she came. And when I just met with her in Washington a couple of weeks ago, she said, oh, I remember you from the auction. So, you know, you make these contacts, and you're running to people over and over again. Very cool. And finally, uh, you've changed your life up a lot these last few years. Offer some sage advice to other midlifers who would like to find the courage to choose a new path after 40. Win Powerball. <laughs> That's my best advice. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's there's a lot of risk, and um, but but I have been employed as a part-time employee for most of my career. I only spent ten years as someone's full-time employee. The rest of my work life, I've been part-time at a number of different jobs, and sometimes as many as four jobs simultaneously. So I guess there is some security in feathering the nest by having things to fall back on if if the main thing tanks. I didn't know that. We can't use this interview now. (laughs) Ed Bruder, good to see you. Thank you. You're welcome, Mike.